0: the New Black, Season 3, Episode 12 is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. It's been a very long season, it feels like, I guess, because we have drawn this out over three whole weeks rather than the 12 hours that the rest of you all have taken to watch the show, but Taylor Connor, and I are still at it, and we are still very excited about everything that's going on here, and without further ado... Let's dig right into it. Here is the person that I would always invite to my corn party, Ms. Taylor Cotter. Hello, Taylor.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, I promise that I I understand the importance of the random selection for the corn party, so I won't even try to pander to you. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Yes. Um, Yeah, we are so close. We're almost done. Uh, This is uh, honestly like a lot of this in this episode is what I have been waiting for for the past three years, and (laughs) I am interested to kind of see uh, where they go from here, because uh, I think on some, yes and no, that this could have been a season finale. Uh, I almost feel like it's not as episodic here close to the end as it could have been. It Like, this feels meant to be (laughs) binged. So, uh, I, uh, I'm glad to, let's knock out this one and then, uh, get talking about this whole season.
0: Yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah, I, I guess I have to eat some crow here. Um, I'll have some crow with my corn, um, <laughs> because I've been saying all season that is going into labor in the final episode of the season and I was wrong. They did the old Game of Thrones thing where they put all the action packed stuff in the penultimate episode.
1: yes, and I I agreed with you, I thought okay, we've been building to this for so long, but I think we both kind of forgot that uh, die having a baby is super boring. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, like it wouldn't have been the you know the heartwarming refresh. Uh, of the season finale that it might be on, like, a modern family or something like that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Daya having the baby, it's, like, when did we find out she was pregnant? Like, in episode three of the entire series, very early on, and it's been been a long road to get us here.
0: Yeah, she's had a gestation period like an elephant, (laughs) Yeah, because it's been two years since we found out she was pregnant, and now we're finally getting the payoff to that, and... And honestly, just barely, because this episode wasn't really about Daya. No, it was really, it was more about Aleda and about how, I don't know, she came off as far less sympathetic than she even was to begin with. She was not the most sympathetic character in the first place.
1: No, I think this, uh, in so much of this season, we've talked about themes of motherhood, and um, I think, you know, there's... Uh, there's actual motherhood, there's, you know, the kind of prison motherhood, um, there's how these people's mothers have affected them and landed them in prison. But um, with a lot of that, you kind of get some sort of sympathy or at least understanding. And Elena just kind of comes off as being super duper selfish in this entire episode.
0: Yeah, she she really does. And I, I don't know. I really had a hard time with You know, she just kind of, anytime, anytime Daya had any kind of chance to thrive, she just sort of beat her back down if she didn't have anything directly to do with it.
1: Yeah, Daya on this show, and I don't really think about her that much because she's not, you know, the most charismatic character that we have going usually, but she's probably one of the most tragic characters on this entire show. Like, she is always sad, (laughs) like, this whole pregnancy has been a real bummer. She doesn't have anything else really going for her besides that. Um, and, well, I mean, she's an artist. And, like, she actually, she, you know, that makes it even, like, worse. That she has all this potential to be so successful. And her mother and all her other environmental factors keep bringing her down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She ends up kind of being nothing more than the Spanish girl who looks like a goldfish. Hmm. Poor thing. Oh, Pensatucky. Um Yeah. Yeah, and I think over the years, Daya might have had things that she was interested in, things she wanted to pursue. She had that potential, but over time she learned that her actual role is just to agree with everything and take the path of least resistance.
1: Yep, and all she really wants is to make her mother happy. And we get in these flashbacks that I guess this is complicated because I understand like I feel like we're painting Aleda with some pretty broad strokes. Um, but that's kind of how they portray her in the episode. That they're like, oh, like this woman just, you know, really wanted to have a baby and she had a baby and she wanted that baby to love her and adore her and kind of forget that it was a real person.
0: Yeah, I would I would really love to see more of her backstory. I think that's the only way that we're gonna get anything that makes her somebody that we can identify with and feel sympathy toward because as it is now she's just like nonstop opportunistic manipulation and that's a hard character to really get behind.
1: Right. And yeah, we don't we don't need to be, you know, empathetic to every sort of character, but I think for a show that spends so much time like saying, oh, there's these shades of gray, and no one's just a bad person, and no one's just a good person. Uh, Aleda has, like, mostly been painted as just a bad person.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think maybe the last time I felt actual sympathy for her was in the very first episode when Daya shows up in prison and Aleda is upset about this. right. And I think that was the last time because everything after that, it's like, oh, okay, I get why you're here and what you've done. And right up to manipulating Pornstache into thinking he's the father of the baby and then through trying to sell the baby to Mama Pornstash and then lying about a dead baby. I think that's kind of pretty rock bottom there. Lying about dead babies is about the worst you can get.
1: Yeah, that was really uh... – rough, and, like, I guess, like, they kind of, on some level, I think, sacrifice, uh, like, Daya's moment to put, to insert that doubt into the viewer's mind, which I was, like, like, to me, like, it was, what happened was, like, pretty transparent, like, I was, like, especially when she, like, said the baby was a he- and I was like, okay, uh, we're pretty like, I think we've gone back and forth on this a million times. But I was like, that's a really heavy handed way to show the audience that like Olayda is probably just making this up. And uh, then but it's like we missed Dia's whole moment of actually giving birth. You know, it was just a quick cutaway back to her having a nice, healthy baby girl.
0: Yeah, the thing that I thought wasn't clear was how much of this Daya knew about. I guess we're probably going to get this in the next episode, but I was having a little bit of trouble figuring out exactly, like, how much on board she was with this change in plans.
1: Yeah, I. so where do we leave off? with this that Daya was going to give up the baby. No, she told her yeah, she yes, told, yes. She told oh Mama
0: Pornstash that she was going to give up the baby. But and, Mama Pornstash knew that it wasn't Pornstash's baby. Yes, and she okay. said, "I don't care. I just want a baby." And she's like, "You know, you got a lot of money. You're going to take care of the baby pretty well. You can still have the baby if you want." And Pornstash's mama said, "Yes, I very much still want." And so the deal was on. Yes. Okay. And then Daya goes into labor. And it goes to the hospital. And Elena calls Mom Porn Stash and says, baby's dead, the deal's off. And that's all we really see of, you know, Daya's actual involvement in any of this. Mm-hmm. And then you hear Elena say that, you know, their next of kin is going to come and pick up the baby. But yeah. we don't know, like, exactly when Daya's going to find out that this baby is not going where she thinks it's going
1: yeah and that sucks <laughs> i want like you know Daya's reaction to this is super important and it's been glossed over a little bit and uh yeah it's just like Daya and i guess it's reflective of her whole life that she's just been this vessel for her mother's you know insecurities and needs and wants so uh kind of bummer and i hope that like Consider like except for the fallout from this, like this is kind of a series wrap on whatever diet's got going on. So I hope that next year she gets some something else to do besides just be pregnant.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what exactly the new thing would be for her. I think it, she has a f- she doesn't have very many options because she's in freaking prison.
1: Right. Maybe she can illustrate uh, S. R. Warren's next book.
0: That would be pretty cool. I, I would be into that. Yeah. You know, if if, if S.R. Warren is ever to pick up another pen and paper, because she seems pretty upset. Yes. Yeah, but the thing, the thing she is most upset about, of course, is the... Um, I'm like a storyteller. That's what I do. There you go. I've been waiting for a while to use that <laughs> bit. Um, yeah, apparently there have been derivative works appearing on the scene. And introducing vampires, which that's upsetting. Like, there are no vampires. Vampires do not have any place in the Time Hub Chronicles.
1: Yeah. And you know what? She is not wrong. I would be, I would feel very similarly if I had worked really hard on a beautiful piece of literature and then someone co opted it with vampires.
0: Yeah. You know, it's it's probably the same way that, like, the ghost of Jane Austen feels about the Pride and Prejudice and zombies.
1: Yeah. Just kind of rolling over in her grave.
0: (laughs) Uh, Um,.
1: Yeah, so Suzanne's just upset. And really, Suzanne's being upset about this is kind of just a vehicle for Tasty to show how awesome she is.
0: Yeah, Tasty had a couple of great moments this episode. And um, the first one, of course, when Black St- Cindy steals the corn from the corn party and Tasty smooths everything over with Red and kind of brokers a deal. Um, she trades like Pousse's sommelier skills and, mm-hmm. and some, you know, dish doing and kitchen labor. Yeah. And then,
1: yeah. Go ahead, I was just going to talk about how awesome Tasty is.
0: Yeah. And then helps Suzanne out, like, sticks up for people. Um, Frida comes in and is like, Tasty, you got to deal with your girls. She's like, how are they my girls? Oh, God, I'm the mom.
1: I'm the mom. And I think this is so wonderful for Tasty, who has just become kind of this uh, straight man character with all this crazy stuff going on around her. And, like, V was her actual mom, more or less, so... That, like I, I think it's a very natural uh, takeover for her to garner the respect that some of these girls had for V.
0: Yeah, and it also, I think Tasty's been a little bit underused this season. Mm-hmm. and I think this definitely gives her a trajectory that she very sorely needed, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense for the character to wind up sort of leading everybody because she has been – in the first season, she was somebody who was getting out of prison and she was about to go and experience life on the outside and she couldn't hack it on the outside because there was nothing for her. Mm-hmm. And so she came back, she kind of, you know, she reoffended and came back into the prison where things were comfortable and she had a routine and she knew what was going on. And I think to give her a role like this, and she's still going to be here for a while, And she does know the ropes better than anybody, and she is the leader of the group. I think this is this makes a lot of sense for her.
1: Yeah, I kind of forgot about that storyline where she got out and came back in, which is such a bummer because like she has so much potential and so much wonderful. Like she's so smart, and I, I mean, I know that's the point. It's like it was a you know it was a way to show that the prison system does not prepare these women to go back into the real world. But it's like, I want Tasty to have all the success in the world. (laughs) So I kind of a bummer that she, I I doubt we're getting another Tasty gets out storyline.
0: No, I don't. I think Danielle Brooks is on the hook for the entire rest of the series, however long it goes. Yeah. She's a real gem. She is. Yeah. She is terrific. Yes. Um, She was on Conan O'Brien this past week and she was very, very funny. Oh, awesome. And um, is now going to Broadway in The Colored Purple, um, which she said she saw a stage production of as a child and made her want to act. So that's really exciting for
1: her. That's amazing. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. She's one of the ones, and there's a handful of people on this show, that this was really their first acting role. You know, and she's
0: Juilliard, right? Yeah, she is from Juilliard.
1: Yeah. So it's like, not that these, you know, it's not like they came out of nowhere, but, you know, just this extreme talent that this show was able to uh, put on the
0: map. And I really, really love that. I, I think she she's definitely demonstrated why she's there. And the role was originally, it was one of these situations where she was only supposed to be on for several, like, three episodes. And the character came off so well that they wrote her in for the rest of the series.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I think... If a show can do that, and I think Netflix and that kind of thing has a little more flexibility to do that, it's amazing because I think it just shows a commitment to talent and good acting and good storytelling.
0: Yeah, I, I like that they're that they're letting the story be shaped by the characters and not just trying to like shoehorn these talents into the characters that have already been created.
1: Definitely, and I uh, I hope it doesn't end up working against them on some level because I think sometimes on this show we have an excess of talent and we're not yeah, uh, and, I mean, we don't get a ton of say this episode but like I think Poussey is a good example that uh, has been sidelined uh, because there's just too many other great things going on
0: Yeah, I mean, there is the danger of taking it to the other extreme and we're going to get into this a little bit later on but like bringing in Ruby Rose for a few episodes and writing a character around her is a very good example of how this can go awry
1: Right. Yes. All right. Yeah. We can talk about that when we get to it, or we can talk about it now. Yeah. Whatever but, you, want. you know,
0: one, one other character I think who might have been somebody that was only supposed to have a couple of lines and keeps coming back and keeps delighting me to no end. Um, I, I need way more Frida in my life. Like, yeah. go ahead and make her part of the ensemble right now because she's hilarious and I, I absolutely adore her whenever she's on the screen.
1: I think she will be. I think she's very much on that bubble of like, where Norma was or where Chang was. And there's almost no such thing as a side character in this show. So I think uh, if we are waiting for it, I think we'll get it.
0: There's always next season. I think, I think next season we always get those, like, why is this character getting a flashback episodes? And she's definitely a candidate now that we've gotten our Norma flashback, now that we've gotten our Leanne flashback. We're starting to run out of side characters to give that to. I think Frida is a prime candidate.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And I would not be surprised at all if we see more Frida next time.
0: So we could talk about um, the Golden Girls Circle because Red is apparently has found a new purpose in um, taking these ingredients out of the prison garden and making them into these little impromptu dinner parties, which is a very popular thing out in the world.
1: Yeah, very adorable. Like, to me, Red and the Golden Girls, like, to them, being in prison is, like, so... Uh, like, it's, all, it's so okay. Like, they seem to be the most resigned, which I think is very emotionally true and honest. And, like, they're kind of, like... We're retired anyway, you know, like, yeah. are, like this is almost more of a retirement community for us than it is a punishment. Yeah,
0: what would we be doing on the outside anyway? We'd be gardening and cooking. Exactly. I'm really amazed at some of the stuff that Red's coming up with.
1: It's beautiful. I would eat it any day.
0: Yeah, I want to know, like, where is she getting the rest of her ingredients, though? Because she made a quiche. How do you make a quiche without eggs?
1: I don't know. Maybe... uh that thing that Chang made early on, did that have an egg in it?
0: Um, I don't remember if that had an egg in it. I don't I think so. Yeah, I, think, no. I think it was just like, it was like Fritos and peas. Yes. And I don't know if there were other ingredients or not.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe magic chicken situation is still happening.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. And uh, as we've seen, I think she had a, she had a mysterious corn angel. And yeah. I pretty I think it's pretty obvious that the mysterious corn angel was Healy, but
1: Yeah, very cute.
0: Yeah, that that's about the level of Red and Healy interaction I like in my life. They can do nice things for each other. I thought you were all in on Red and Healy. I go back and forth on Red and Healy. I was I was all in for a while and then I Healy tends to kind of he has those moments where I think he's fantastic and then he just Totally ruins it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think with what he did to birdie, I kind of don't want him to have any happiness.
1: Yeah. He's bad with birdie. He's bad with so, so
0: yeah. yeah. Yes. He's against the time hump chronicles, which means he's against happiness. Right. And I think like, is he just
1: bad at his job or is he a bad person?
0: I think you have to imagine that he's not a totally bad person. When you see how he interacts with people that he likes But I think he is extremely bad at his job. I think he doesn't have the necessary social skills that he would need to do well in it. And he's also so set in his ways.
1: Right. I'm really glad we got the Caputo flashback. But don't you think we were super ripe for like a real Healy flashback? He needs a whole episode. Right. And he's been really the main guard since the beginning. Like Caputo has been there and he's really in the last season and a half come to be very, very prominent. But Healy was the first one that we were introduced to.
0: Yeah. Healy was, I thought Healy was going to have more of a presence than he did initially. Yes. And I'm enjoying the kind of interaction that he has with red and hating the interaction he has with everybody who is not red.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I am not surprised if this relationship continues to hover at least, uh, at least throughout the rest of the season and then maybe the beginning of next season.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of don't ever want it to boil over. Yeah. Like, I really can't deal with another, you know, inappropriate inmate-guard relationship. Like they, yeah. They don't need to do it on the desk.
1: Yeah, please don't. I feel like we have seen, so. there's been so much back and forth. Uh, with in, in The relationships that people can have here are I guess, limited. It's either like inmate, 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 guard, 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 or like inmate outside, you know, it's kind of the outside world stuff. So we've seen every combination right now of like inmate guard relationship. And I, I, I would like them to explore some other territory if possible.
0: I understand there's kind of a limit to what right. you can do, but there's also, you know, I've heard there's only seven basic stories you can tell in any form of literature or storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I think there's room to be a little bit more creative. Yeah, I hope so. You know, for example, send a couple of inmates to go all dragon tattoo on Donuts. Yeah,
1: that is a relationship we have yet to explore.
0: <laughs> yeah. Although, I guess I'm happy that they didn't go through with it as much as yeah. Donuts needs what's coming to him.
1: Yeah, it would have been a lot. And it was a, It was very, like... um Campy, I don't know. Like it felt like a little cute adventure for something that like was really, really, really serious. Um, and without even like like the emotional truth of this, I thought was very, very like amazing. And uh, to kind of have uh, Pennsylvania ultimately be like, this isn't what I want to do. Like I'm just really sad, and my life is falling apart. And I am not angry like i just need this to be over which i think is like a very real story of someone that's experienced a sexual assault
0: yeah i think they they kind of went a little bit too light with it but they did find a way to make it um to make it more truthful
1: right and i think it was a good call to make it like um like, uh, like everyone knows, like, sexual assaults are, like, extremely underreported, and, like, in a situation where someone has all the power and someone has no power, that, like, you know, that rate goes up, like, crazy, and uh, that these women see reporting sexual assault as, like, basically a lost cause, and uh, that, that, what, I'm glad they talked about that, even though it might have been glossed over to serve, kind of, their revenge storyline. Um, I think, Honestly, like, and maybe this is just me, but that would have been an interesting storyline to explore um, In if they're going to uh, explore, like, the prison industrial complex. To me, that's a very real and compelling thing that they kind of just, like, put a bow on in two seconds. Like, oh, yeah, sexual, resor- uh, sexual assaults are underreported. Let's move on.
0: That's true. I, I yes. did like that. I do like that boo is kind of on top of it though
1: she is a tough, broad she knows what she 's doing
0: and, and i if I was going to be in prison, I would want somebody like boo in my corner
1: me too she yeah she's- she's also kind of like tasty, emerged as a very straight person here that you know ironic ironically yes that she but you know she 's the voice of the audience she's speaking the truth, she is telling people, uh, she's saying what needs to be said uh, and I like having those characters around.
0: Yeah, I'm very happy like, of all the breakout characters this season, I think Boo is definitely she's at the top of my list.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll have to think about it but I have been a very big Boo fan this season, considering at the end of last season, she was like, primed to become the villain.
0: Yeah, and she, you know, she start, what starts out as this kind of Insane Practical Joke has evolved into a very real friendship. Yeah, very much. And I feel like a lesser show would probably have milked that for something for some kind of tension like have Pensatucky realize, "Oh, you were just fucking with me the entire time. You're not really my friend." And and then boo like close up on Boo's face, "But I really am your friend now." Mm-hmm. Sad music with strings fade no. to black. Uh um, yep. they didn't go there and I'm happy that it's just like okay, it might have started out a little adversarial, but it's not now. It's an actual friendship.
1: Yeah, I like that, kind of. Like, I think it, it's kind of nice to be less heavy-handed with that stuff. And sometimes I forget, you know, like, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, did they ever resolve that? It's like, yeah, not really. But, like, in real life, you don't have to resolve every problem either, you know? Sometimes this stuff just happens.
0: I think I think it definitely lends a little bit more realism to it. Um, yeah. I would say... For somebody like our introduction to Boo was basically like she was initially presented to us as someone that just finds all sorts of creative ways within the prison to gratify herself sexually. Mhm. I'm I'm glad that we're getting some of an actual real person who has good intentions is, and is smart and crafty and supportive to people that are in her circle. I think It's better than just having someone who's kind of all libido.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I like kind of uh, top of intelligence TV and characters, and Boo is definitely that. Yeah, she's definitely not a lowest common denominator character.
0: And they've gotten so much better at this over, I think, over the course of the three seasons. We've seen the characters go from sort of cardboard to very multidimensional. Yes. And in some cases, I think especially like we can transition to talking about Sophia, I guess. like mm-hmm. Sophia started out as a supporting character who she just happened to be transgender and she wasn't, you know, it was just like something that happened to be true of her and not necessarily her entire character. Yeah. And so the fact that they're now going back and exploring what this means to the show, I think that's a very clever choice, narratively speaking, because if we started out with her being – bashed for her identity I think that would have been a much less compelling story but now that we're invested in her we've gotten to know her we've been complaining all season we need to give her something to do it's okay to put this here
1: I agree I very much agree I think um yeah it's kind of been looming because I definitely think that it's I'm off two minds about this because I think it's hard to have a transgender character or really any sort of minority character without addressing the issues that, uh, you know, transgender people go through. Um, But I also think it's important to build an identity for those people that is not defined by being transgender. Um, And I think maybe the show was able to do this in one of the more mature and perfect ways that I've seen on television.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's not without its flaws. I think you're right that they can, there is the very real danger that it ends up being all about this, about the fact that it's not accepted. And then you start wondering, like, it's kind of a mixed message because I think it's very important to just have a character that is a human being that has real, you know, interests, likes, dislikes, friendships, you know, adversaries. But when you reduce it all to this, it's there is a very real danger that it ends up being an inaccurate and you know less compelling portrayal. But I think I think they're creating a very fine line. I think they're doing a very good job with the story.
1: Yeah, I think so. And Sophia is really smart, and she knows that um, hey, a transgender woman getting beat up in prison is not. It's 2015, and that's not the press that anyone is looking for and once these uh you know she becomes the target of violence uh she is aware of her rights she's aware of what she's entitled to and she's super aware that uh being thrown in solitary confinement is not the appropriate response
0: yeah that was that was a huge misstep um and i think we also got we got a little bit more about burbigs in this situation because you can tell that he actually has started to care, but he has absolutely no leverage and there's nothing he can do.
1: Yeah. I'm really, like, I feel like his emotional transformation is, I'm still a little unclear on it, that am like, okay, like, I get, like, super glad that you care. Why do you suddenly care? Yeah. And I guess it's kind of painting him as like, all right, this guy was probably never a bad person. He was just not... he just didn't know what he was getting into.
0: Yeah, I think there was, I think he was detached from everything having to do with it up to a point. And the more involved he got with the prison, the less able he was to keep that detachment up. And the less able he was to say, honestly, that it's just business. And this is the point where we see, we see where his limit is. Yep. So that, that makes me like him again a little bit. I still think, you know, the way he treated Caputo is really terrible, and mm-hmm. I hate the way he calls everybody buddy. <laughs>
1: that that's a huge knock against him. Uh, yeah, and I guess I almost wish like, uh, like I like Mike Berbiglia a lot. But I think I, like, inherently don't trust him for some reason. (laughs) That I'm like, ooh, like, I'm like, oh, you seem so nice. And, like, you definitely are not actually nice. Like, he kind of is actually nice here. And, like, so I wonder if, like, if it was someone maybe younger or, like, someone who didn't kind of have that smugness that I think Mike Birbiglia has a little bit, maybe this character would have been easier for me to wrap my head around from the beginning. Well, maybe they didn't want it to be easy to wrap your head around.
0: Yeah, I don't think this show ever wants anything to be easy to wrap your head around. Yeah, fair enough. This is I hope this is not the last that we see of this situation. I hope the solution isn't just, like, throw her in the shoe and, you know, you know, close the book on her.
1: Yeah, I think it's bubbling up. That, that woman will not go quietly.
0: Yeah, but I think it's also, it was a great opportunity to showcase how totally ineffectual all of the new guards are. Sophia's getting the crap beaten out of her. She yells at the guard, help me. The guard says, mm-hmm. oh, I'll go get Caputo. Yep.
1: Yeah, what a waste. And I kind of, uh, I get what they're doing here, and I understand the storyline of the new guards, but it's a bummer. I uh, am, When you kind of see this stuff happen, you're like, ooh, can't we just, can't we just find a way to make sure people aren't getting beat up?
0: Well, I mean, I think this is a very good, uh, watching this show makes you never, ever, ever want to go to prison.
1: Yeah, that's true. And at first, sometimes I think it was like, oh, prison can be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, there's so many cool people in prison.
1: Right. But then uh, reminders like this that, oh, yeah, prison is, uh, filled with actual criminals. Uh, there was an article on Reductress the other day.
0: Um, <laughs> did you see this? No, but I love Reductress. Yes.
1: uh, For those of you unfamiliar, Reductress is a parody site of, like, women's magazines. It's kind of like the onion for uh, women's issues, I guess. And it was, um, uh, I'm a woman, and I want a prison girlfriend, but actually not a prison girlfriend. I just want a boyfriend, uh, a non-criminal boyfriend. And it (laughs) it, um, put Ruby Rose in, uh, it was like, Ruby Rose is so hot, and I want someone just like her. But, you know not a woman and not a criminal.
0: <laughs>
1: like, and it was very, uh, poignant, I think to, uh, uh, the reaction of Ruby Rose and then kind of the glamorization of prison that can, can happen on Orange just the new black, even though, uh, they've been able to balance that with enough grittiness that I don't, I would be very surprised if people are act- actively seeking out prison at this point.
0: Yeah. I don't think, I don't think the show has ever made anybody want to be in prison. Yeah. Um, and we got some good news, I think, this week that um, this is, we're getting a limited dose of Ruby Rose.
1: Yeah, they are uh, phasing Ruby Rose out. She gets out of prison in a couple of days or weeks, something yeah. like that.
0: I know you don't get this reference, Taylor, but some of the listeners okay. will. Poochie's going back to his home planet. His planet needs him. Um, yeah, so turns out she's getting out. It's not, you know, it's not true love fading into the sunset with Piper and Stella. Stella's going home right after she sorts out all of the issues with uh, feloniousspunk dot com. She's gonna ride off into the sunset.
1: Yep, uh, Cal and his wife, who's Mary, is Mary. Uh, she, uh, they are they are really stressed out by running felonious spunk, and uh, they are uh, Piper and uh, Stella are trying to keep it together from the inside, but it seems like this is about to crash and burn.
0: Yeah, demand's starting to outstrip supply. They're trying to make knockoffs, which never goes well, and that was a really gross scene. Yes. I understand that, you know, as a woman, it's important to be comfortable with everything that comes out of your body, but <laughs> this, was, this was a bridge too far. It's just yeah, something I, I don't want to think about. Yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, although we did get the great revelation that Neri was always telling Cal these stories about uh, about her adventurous past, sexually speaking. And it turns out she's not really a lesbian. She's never been with a woman. She wouldn't really know her way around a vagina. What
1: a throwaway thing. That was, like, very funny and interesting.
0: Yeah, and also, I feel like anybody that's been involved in any sort of single-sex education situation knows somebody like this.
1: Yeah, I. I'm, you went to all-women's college, right? I did. And I went to all women's high school, and yeah, a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, somebody that that knows that there's an angle on that that they can that they can exploit, even if they've never actually done anything.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting.
0: But I, you know, I'm glad the business seems to be doing well, and it's a good thing that Piper has somebody to hold her hand through these ridiculous HR situations. Yeah,
1: it's so crazy that I feel like this is going to blow up and not in the way that like oh Piper's going to get caught. It's like oh no, Piper accidentally builds a uh, empire that's too big for her to handle.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, at least I, I this is the best thing that Piper has gotten into. I will yeah. say that. Like I don't love the character. I think she served her purpose. I'm glad she's become more of a you know, more of an ensemble player but this is this is something that's the source of a lot of great humor mm-hmm. and i think it shows her flaws which this is one thing i think when people complain that they hate piper i think what they're complaining about is this person that was presented to us as a main character someone who's incredibly flawed and stupid about a lot of things and not great at everything and less sympathetic and i think that's what people respond to negatively, that she is not somebody who, you know, we can root for. And here I think I don't root for her, but I found a situation where I don't mind watching her. Right.
1: And I, I might call out people now that un, uh, unfairly hate Piper, um, because I think it reminds me a little bit of that people hate Hannah on Girls. And I'm like, you can not like the character and still understand why they're there. And then three, and I think Girls is like four years in now, like, you need to take a step back, (laughs) I think. And uh, if Piper comes into next season, which I think this is honestly, and I'm sure in the next episode, we'll talk a little bit about what we'd like to see next season. But if they bring in Piper next season as like a pure comic relief player, that would be great. Like, I think that she is, like, getting herself into mischief and funny situations and, like, from time to time still, like, tripping over her white privilege is funny and interesting to watch. And just because she is not a, you know, she's not a perfect person that this world revolves around, that's not a reason to, like, shit all over the character. No. And I think reasons why I have disliked Piper in the past is because I think her storylines are boring and I think that, you know, her and Alex is tired and I've, you know, gone on record many times. But I think she and Stella are, you know, uh, at best not interesting and at worst like some sort of, uh, you know, wet dream. <laughs> like and yeah, Speaking
0: uh, of fan fiction.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, but as like, let's not blanket hate any characters <laughs> because they don't fit the mold of what we think a character should be on this show. We're very lucky to have a show that's so ensemble-driven. We're especially lucky to have a show that's ensemble-driven by women and women of color. So, like, let's take a step back from hating Piper for no reason. If you're going to hate her, ha- have a reason.
0: Yeah we, yeah. we have very good reasons to hate her in the beginning, because Piper and Alex stopped being interesting pretty much after the first time they did it. Yes. So... I'm I'm glad to see like Alex seems to be doing okay. She got she won the corn lottery, so good for her. Yeah, very sweet. She deserves that. Yep, and I almost like I don't. I wouldn't say like I hate Piper and I wish she'd go away. I don't necessarily think the character is awesome, but she even has her moments when um, I don't. I don't like her, but I like her being there, which is it's hard to explain. But when Stella said, "I'm getting out on Tuesday." I had this surge of schadenfreude that made me so mm-hmm. happy, I'm like Piper has torpedoed all of her relationships, she thinks she's found her princess charming, and she hasn't because Stella's right. going away, and also Stella's going away right so that was that was exciting
1: and I think I get like I feel weirdly defensive of Piper, not in the sense that like like she can be evil, like she can be a villain that we hate, like I don't mind that. Like I just think, and like I wasn't super deep into Breaking Bad. I remember the breaking end of Breaking Bad when like Anna Gunn yep. came out and she was like, "Stop hating me for no reason." Yeah, I, so I get kind of defensive when and like same with like Lena Dunham. That I'm just like, uh, all right, like we don't have to hate all these women for no reason. Like you can not like what they're doing in the show. You can think it's stupid, but like I and I guess I felt this way because I think. Like, we get a lot, or not a lot, but, like, I've gotten tweets from people that are just like, ugh, don't you hate Piper and Alex so much? I'm like, no, like, I mean, I don't like them. I don't
0: don't like their relationship, but I don't hate them.
1: Right. I don't care about, like, yeah, I like, and I think the panty storyline and I've said throughout all the podcasts, I'm like, Oh, I wish they gave this character something to do. And like, it's, I said that about Sophia. Like I wish they gave Sophia something to do. I wish they gave Dia something to do. And with this panty business, like they gave Piper something to do. And I like that as a narrative tool. And even though it's kind of, it's a little ridiculous. Um, and maybe it's creating more drama than necessary. I like the idea that in this very insular show, Things can still be discovered, and this is something that was discovered, and I I do like that.
0: Yeah, the panty storyline kind of floundered a little bit in the beginning, but it's found its footing, and I think it's now an important part of the show, an interesting part of the show. But back to your point about the characters that people always hate on for no reason, I have one myself. like my all-time favorite example of this. I don't know if you ever read this book that came out about 10 years ago. It's called prep by Curtis Sittenfeld.
1: Uh, I may have, I can't, uh, it's It's super familiar. Yeah. It's
0: about a girl that attends a prep school on scholarship and she goes away to boarding school from like middle of nowhere, Indiana. And when this book came out, it got great reviews for people said it was very well written, you know, but we hate the narrator We think she's annoying. She's not sympathetic. She's irritating. And it's like, yeah, she's a teenage girl. What, What do you want? And I read the book. I thought it was incredibly true to life. It was very in line with my experiences at a similar school. And I even, like, I kind of over-identified with the character to the point where I took it very personally when I would read these reviews of people saying, you know, this character is terrible and I hate her and I made me hate the book because she's so flawed. And like, yeah, narrators should be flawed. Like every character you write should be flawed.
1: Right. And I think a lot, and I don't want to get too deep into this because I probably can't speak to it very intelligently, but I, like, I do think that sometimes, and, like, the all the characters I named, like, Anna Gunn and uh, Leigh Dunham and now, uh, you know, Piper slash Taylor Schilling, like, th- these are women that get unfairly shit on for being unlikable, and that is, like, it. it's kind of permeating in, like, less so in, like, you know, professional criticism of television, but, like, very permeating in... Kind of armchair critics, and I don't like it. (laughs) And I think that um, it's easy for character for a lot of these characters to be likable because they haven't claimed this as their story. And then, but then when kind of you're putting a magnifying glass to someone like Piper, yeah, it's super easy to not like her. But like, it's also super easy to not like. Uh, oh, Eleda. And you don't see a million people tweeting at us being like, oh, like, I can't believe, like, Eleda is getting a storyline. Like, she's so selfish, you know? Yeah. And, like, I don't, I think, uh, and I, like, I can't pinpoint a difference really between what, like, Piper's been kind of relegated to a side character anyway. But I think because, you know, we were told this was Piper Chapman's story. Like, in girls, you're told this is Hannah Horvath's story. Uh, if it's not, you know, this happy, perfect story, people get very upset. And I think that's a very, and I like, truly I'm calling out no one in particular, but I think that's a very surface way to watch television.
0: Yeah. And I think we've even been a little guilty of it ourselves. Of course. Yeah. And I think it's
1: easy to be like, this is boring. I want Piper to be better than this. And it's like, yeah. And like, I, you know, been super critical of what's been going on with paper and Alex this season. And I don't uh, like, I, did they deserve that? I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe not. Like I, but you know, it's good that we can examine our own flaws as well. And I'm really stoked that they've taken the story in a direction that makes it better. That makes it bearable. That makes it interesting And that showcases all of the delicious flaws in this character, whom if she was a real person, I don't think I would like her very much, but I think the story is finally being told well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, uh, I guess I agree. And I am interested Piper being scorned a little bit here by Stella might, like, I almost wish it was done in a worse way Because it's like, I think, you know, and I'm working all these thoughts out in my head as I say them. So, uh, when I contradict myself,
0: believe me, I'm aware. (laughs) Like they, you know what Walt Whitman says about that, you know, yeah. did I I contradict myself? Yes. Very well. I am large. I contain multitudes. Yeah.
1: If anyone contains multitudes, it's this podcast. (laughs) That's
0: true. (laughs) That
1: was about me. Um, I think, um, I think that, uh, Like they, Orange Is the New Black has done a great job showing, like, all right, here's like I won't use Alaya as an example, but I'll use like I don't know Leanne as an example. That's like okay, here's someone who's unlikable in the show, pretty much. You know, very rarely in this whole series have we been like, oh Leanne, like she seems cool. Anything like she is mean and she's like a lackey and she's like a drug addict and like we're rarely presented anything positive about her at all. And then the show makes a point. To give us this insane backstory behind her that like, oh, she has, you know, look at all the things she's been through. And it's like, then you come back and you're like, okay, they're sympathetic. And with Piper, like we, like we kind of got that a little bit at the beginning of last season when they were like, oh, like her dad was cheating on their mom and like that was tough. But like they almost are doing it in a way that seems purposely unsympathetic. Yeah, just well, fine. And but like I maybe that's why people are having a harder time relating to her.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's also like you know some of these people are selling heroin, and you know Piper's having a sad because her dad cheated on her mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think you're making some really great points about. Yeah, um,
1: I uh, may, probably some good points, some bad points.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. I think I think what we have to do is purposely make some bad points because that will increase the level of feedback we get.
1: That will increase the level of feedback we get, uh, and then you know what? Like, I think halfway through this podcast, I'm going to flash back to a sad story in my childhood, and then <laughs> <laughs> maybe people will be more sympathetic towards me. I don't know. No, I'm so sorry. That's not not. <laughs> no need to be sympathetic towards me at all (laughs) Um, all right so that's piper and i guess that's kind of my long-term thoughts on piper i want her to come back as like a super super solid ensemble player i think that is we're ready for that we don't need her to drive the story anymore we've been away from that for a while anyway but i think yeah bring her back as comic relief uh bring her back as you know a foil to other characters but um i think doing that will her stock would go up immensely
0: oh a foil for other characters that is brilliant because we have not seen that happen yet like piper is off doing her own thing i would like to see someone else's story like kind of fold her in yeah definitely. that would be cool i would really love to see that that's brilliant I would really
1: like that. Because, yeah, she very very rarely interacts with anyone except for Alex.
0: Yeah, I want to see I want to see her become more fully vested. You're absolutely right. Okay, so I think that is pretty much we've been everywhere in the prison today, haven't we?
1: Um, I think we can very much gloss over so so. Yeah,
0: I we've talked a little bit about how that's being mishandled.
1: Yep, she's not doing great and she is very very depressed.
0: But we can – I guess we can probably just wrap things up. Um, I want to throw out a hashtag because we don't – we haven't been typically throwing out hashtags, but I just like the hashtag corn party so much. Corn party. So tweet us with the hashtag corn party. you yeah. made it all the way to the end. If you have feedback for us, feel free to hit us up on postshowrecaps.com, leave us some comments, or you can go to our feed in the iTunes store and rate and review us there. That helps us out a lot. Please do. Yes. Also, we're on Twitter. Where are you on Twitter, Taylor?
1: I'm at Taylor Cotter. Feel free to tweet your agreements or disagreements with everything that I've said today, um, and uh, we can we can chat about it.
0: Yep. I am Haymaker Hattie. We both love hearing from you guys, so let us know what you think of everything. And I guess that takes us to the end of the road here. We're wrapping up with our corn based desserts, and we will see you guys for the season finale.
1: Yeah. So uh, tune particular- particularly follow us on Twitter and follow push show recaps on Twitter because uh, we'll probably be doing some different little special coverage things uh, while we're wrapping up. So
0: yeah, that uh, is, that is definitely a thing that is going to happen. Great. Right? All right. So thanks everybody for listening and we'll right. see you for the finale. Bye everybody. The animal, the animal trap, trap, trapped, trapped,
1: till the cages fall. The cages fall. The day is new and everyone is waiting, waiting on you.